podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Villa View. It's the Luke Live Lounge with myself, Dan Bardell, and Tom Julian, who's made me laugh dramatically as we're about to go on air, which wasn't very helpful, but it's happened now. Tom, are you okay? I'm okay. I'm I'm annoyed by your unprofessionalism. We had a team meeting <laughs> earlier to get everything sorted for the show. Dan arrives five minutes before the show starts, microphone doesn't work, and then he hasn't done his homework. Absolute joke, to be honest. <laughs> Apart from that, I'm good. I've got a new Renault Scenic. Well, not a new that's one. What, it's an old one. That's what, that's what made me laugh. <laughs> the most Tom Julian car there could ever be. Before before we get into into the Villa View, I wanted to like when when we arrived in Germany, I was like, right, I'm going to treat myself. My my wife's cousin works for Mercedes. Going to going to get a nice car, you know. Um, we could get a decent discount on it. And a turn up, they don't take your insurance from England, so it's basically like you're a 17 year old again, and uh, and they wouldn't insure me. So I've gone from a nice Mercedes to a 2008 Renault Scenic in one foul swoop. Oh, it's making me cry. <laughs> I actually got te- tears going down my face of you thinking that you were going to be cool and getting a Mercedes and, <laughs> and then having to have a Renault Scenic. Not that there's anything wrong with Renault Scenics if anyone's got one, but that has thrown me before we're about to start. Rob Rob Henry says, uh, Oi, don't diss the Scenic. Um, and, uh, you know, there you go. That's the, that's the only Scenic comment oh, I, can, I can see I've so far. I've actually got tears going down my face. Which is a problem. Probably, probably good preparation for what's about to unfold at, with the Villa, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. Could be could well be crying come the end of the season, but at least for once on the live lounge, we do have something positive to talk about. Well, well done in pulling it back. Usually that's my job, but you you handled that nicely. Oh yeah. no, Ben Reed says I've got a scenic and it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that. Oh, ben. It's, it's literally two hours into my possession. Uh, I, yeah, just, and... I just managed to steer us back onto Villa and you, you've brought it up again. Nice uh-huh. steer pun. Good pun. Very good. Very good. Yeah, Pete, yeah. Pete Powell says it's a pimp wagon. So is <laughs> Let's talk about Villa. Let's talk about Villa. I can, I can almost feel us losing watchers by the second. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, so we can we can finally talk, Dan, about a win, 2-0 uh, victory, and a, and a convincing one over, it has to be said, not the best Crystal Palace side in the world, but... A win is a win. You need the points. We've often talked about how Villa have played well and not got the points. Well, now we've played well and taken the points and the all-important confidence that we go into into Thursday's game with Everton. Yeah, there's a few different facets from the game on Sunday that will do us some good. The, the clean sheet, obviously ending a 10-game winless run is, is quite a big thing. Actually winning a game full stop is a, is a massive thing for Villa because it's something we haven't managed to do much of this season. And it now gives us a chance to get consecutive wins, which again is not something we've done particularly well throughout the season. But it now is a point we're at the point where we absolutely have to win because I think if we don't win Thursday, I think quite simply we will get relegated. So Thursday is must win. And talking about Palace, they're not quite there. They're probably waiting for the season to end. Everton are, are a bit the same. So it's a good chance for us to, to win and put some pressure on those above us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's. 
the, the key, isn't it? You know, we have to keep up the pressure now. We've waited this long to get our first win. West Ham and, and Watford slightly quicker off the mark. And, and we talked after the game, Dan, about how um, it would just be typical that, that Bournemouth would, would go and win straight away after we won. And lo and behold, they go 1-0 down and then, then put four in against Leicester, which just seems ridiculous. I mean, Leicester, to, to touch on them for a second, have been a completely different side since since Madison left the building. You know, he's he's been um, uh, sidelined and, and Leicester have fallen apart. Yeah, Leicester have absolutely killed us there, really, haven't they? I was... I saw on my phone that they were they were losing one nil. I was like happy happy days, great stuff because we don't need them moving up the table and getting involved. Someone texted me saying that they'd equalised. I went on the Sky Sports app again. Suddenly it was two one. Then I turned the telly on, and two more goals just just came in out out of the blue as well for them to beat to win four one. It's the goal difference factor as well. I still think Bournemouth will go. Mm. Hopefully Man City will stick some goals past them at, at the weekend. Obviously that's a that's a really tough game for them, but for them. To go, to go and beat Leicester, who actually have something to play for as well. It's not like Leicester are saying out the end of the season, like Palace and Everton. Leicester could blow Champions League here, whereas they've been pretty comfortable all season, looking like they're going to get top four, and that, that could fall out of it completely. So for them to lose 4-1 and defend in a way that I haven't seen them defend all season. I mean, when we when we play them, they, they hammer us 4-0. Sorry, not 4-1, they hammer us 4-0. I was watching some of their defending against Bournemouth and... They've not defended like that all season, but of course, in a game that is key for Villa, they decide that's the time to have a go and, and try those things out. Absolutely. Uh, on Facebook, Daniel George Wilson says, we are staying up, we are staying up. Chris Dolan reckons a, a nil-nil on Thursday, which won't be enough, sadly. Uh, so, Dan, the, the homework for us was to, to have a look at the remaining fixtures, do our predictions and then work them out against against uh, our predictions for the other teams as well. You only managed a quarter of your homework. Um, so, so we're going to do... A third, a third at least. It's a third. There's four teams. Bournemouth, Villa, uh, okay. Watford, West Ham. You did Villa. That's 25%. Yeah. That is a quarter. <laughs> it's a Villa show, though. Yeah, no one cares about the other teams. It's Villa predictions. I don't right. want to predict Villa's results and then go and do everyone else's and then just think, oh, we're going to stay up. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to concentrate on Villa and then what will be, will be. That sounds like you misread the question and you've just tried no, to no, get no, yourself no. out of it on a PR no, no, no. Adam knows. Adam knows. Adam will back me up. I was quite specific in what I said. All right. But you still didn't read the read the instructions properly. So I just do what you wanted me to do. But I did read the instructions. All right, let's see then. So, <laughs> so now I have no idea what the graphics are going to be. You and I don't know each other's predictions. So, um, so let's go through it. Oh, look at that! That is very yeah. nice. So this is the uh, this is the prediction for Thursday's game against Everton away. I've gone for a two 0 win. You, Dan, have gone for a two one win. Uh, both of us going for a win. That that's a good start. Well, it's because we have to. I mean, I think two clean sheets in a row is very ambitious. From you, that's a very, very ambitious prediction. But I think I did an Everton podcast earlier today, and I said, if Everton score first, you worry for us. You always worry for Villa when they go behind. But if we can get ourselves ahead, which I'm obviously envisaging that we that we might do on Thursday, I think we can then go on and score another. And then obviously, it wouldn't be Villa saying out a game comfortably twice in a row. So I'm predicting that Everton might score in the last 15 minutes, and we're hanging on a bit, but. The general feeling from the Everton camp, from doing that Everton podcast today, was that they are not in a good place. They just want the season to end. And it sounded very similar to, to the Crystal Palace. And 
they've got a couple of weak links in their side. I think that can be got at. He was talking like their midfield was atrocious, and I feel that's an area where we can be quite strong and we were quite strong against Palace. I think the keeper's dodger. I mean, it's terrible to come on and say that because he'll probably go on to have a world now, but I really think Pickford's and a bit of a low ebb in his career at the moment. He's so inconsistent. Every time I watch Everton, he seems to be trying to chuck the ball in his in the back of his net. So hopefully he'll do that on Thursday as well. But yep, good to see that we both predicted us to win. If we were to be doing predictions this time last week, I really feel that would not have happened. No, absolutely not. Tom Cowley's also gone for a 2-1 victory for Villa. Hip to the game has gone one all. Remember, you can get your um, your comments, your predictions in, in the, in the comments, whether you're watching on Facebook or uh, or on YouTube, um, I can see them coming through. So that's that's quite nice. Davortex one nil to the Villa will be a horrid game, and we'll get a scrappy goal. Neil Gilder one nil to the Villa. So a few people going for a Villa clean sheet. That's more a reflection on on the Everton strike force, I would say, and their general all round play than, than Villa's back four. Uh, but I did think we looked a little bit more organised um, with Concer at centre back and, and yes. Elmo Elmo right back as well. So there is hope there. All right, let's move on then to the next game, the big one, Arsenal. Um, and what have you gone for here, Dan? You have gone for... What did I go for? You've gone for 1-0 to Arsenal, Tom. Oh, yeah. I've gone for 1-0 to Arsenal. There, I had to move my comments for a second. <laughs> um, the, I've gone for a 1-0 to Arsenal, and this is kind of because I felt like things were going too well. I originally did have one all, and I was like... No, surely we can't go undefeated in in these in this final stretch. It has to go well, into the last game. Have, really, I think we're going to have to, Tom. We're going to have to go undefeated. Not with my predictions. I went because I, I predicted across the board West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth as well. And the way I worked it out was we we finished a point ahead of West Ham and Watford. Um, but but yeah, I'm going for a one nil loss. Um, a tough game, and we're gonna we're just gonna lose. Uh, you've gone for a one nil draw. A little bit more optimistic. Yeah, I mean, you hadn't mentioned that you'd done it all the other terms as well, so it's good to know that, that you did that because I, w- I wasn't sure that you'd fill the brief <laughs> fully. Um, basically, I'm trying a new technique in, in the show tonight. I've been quite miserable since the Villa View came back, so I'm I'm trying to come in with a bit more positivity and, and seeing if that pays dividends for, for us. Usually my predictions are way off for games. I've never been good at calling, calling the scores. I might have a couple in a row through the season, but in general, I'm pretty rubbish. So it's probably good not to pay attention to what I'm saying. I don't remember you being particularly great at it either. So it's worth, it's worth probably knowing that people watching. This is completely an irrelevant segment, really, isn't it? Well, it's never irrelevant. It's all a bit of fun. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, Mighty Villain says nil-nil for Arsenal. Uh, Hip to the game says 2-0 Arsenal and they send us down. Uh, Alan Bale's more confident we will beat Arsenal as well. 2-1. Holly Jennings, I think there's a stronger chance of us beating Arsenal over Everton, to be honest. Uh, and Jack Mobley says Jack is due a good game, a big game. Um, he's due a goal. He's due a goal. George Burley talking in uh, today's papers about how uh, Arsenal might be a good fit for Jack. We can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Stephen Mace to finish on a positive one, uh, 3-2 Arsenal. So there you go. George, George Burley, that's a throwback to 2001 there. And George Burley... With a press picking desperately up. seeking him out for his <laughs> yeah. opinion on Jack Greenwich. He's what picking up a payday from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's like the, the Ayrshire-free press or something like that. Oh, I don't okay. know. I don't know. No, I don't know where it's coming from. All right. So difference of an opinion there. And then it goes into the all-important, the last game of the season against West Ham. Dan, I've gone for a 2-0 win. You've gone for a 2-1 win. So the first, the, the kind of mirroring the Everton results there. And... 
I think the the only answer here is to be positive, isn't it? To give ourselves yeah. a chance and 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 play like the like our Premier League lives depend on it, which we haven't seen much of until the last game. Yeah, I think when I do the Athletic, I'm a, li- a little bit more serious in my calls and my predictions, and I'm coming <laughs> coming, up, coming on the Villa View and doing predictions like I've had ten, ten beers before before I've done them. I just think that we absolutely ha- we like we have to probably win three out of four. So I'm not going to come on air and predict us to get relegated. So I, I feel like I've been forced to go three, three from four. I mean, if we go and beat in the last four games, considering how the season's been, that would be unbelievable. But there's a time when West Brom were bottom of the Premier League at Christmas. They suddenly just won a few games towards the end. I think Leicester won a few games the season before they won the league as well. So, so it does happen. So for us to stay up, that kind of miracle does have to happen. Mm-hmm. Villains together says a 2-0 win McGinn and Elmo to score um, Tyler Smith saying 2-2 Mighty Villain 1-0 to the Villa and Grealish wouldn't that be some story um, Benjamin Asker 2-1 Villa uh, against West Ham it'll be a scrappy game Stephen Mace 3-1 Villa uh, the, the confidence I mean one win has, has really changed the mood certainly in our in our comment section Dan because like you said before before the Palace game, I don't think we'd have been getting anywhere near this this positivity. I don't think we could have even done this section because it would have been such such doldrums. Um, so, you know, whatever happens, it's kind of nice to at least be feeling a bit more positive about, about things going into Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I've taken little joy from the Villa View coming back in, in general since we've come back because... It's all well and good. I enjoy speaking to you. It's good, good to see you a couple of times a week because obviously you've moved away. But talking about your team losing every week and not playing well is pretty miserable. So for once, or for once so far, we get to be a little bit giddy and, and talk about Villa winning. And I think obviously you can tell by the predictions we've got a little bit overexcited. But if you can't enjoy it, I suppose, what, what's the point? But don't quote me on that because I'll probably be saying something different this time next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, you've got to try and involve, uh, you've got to try and enjoy it. Uh, sometimes it, Villa makes it very hard to do that. Um, so, I guess the other key game, Dan, that's, that's upcoming. Obviously, all the key games from the from the teams are around us. But Watford and West Ham meet on Friday night. What's the optimal result for that? I'm got a clue. I don't know. It's, I don't think any result there can be perceived as a bad one, really. Right, because if West Ham lose, it could be that it gets it plays it more into our own hands, and that we go down the last day, and, and a positive result will keep us up. But I quite quite like the thought of that scenario, although obviously when Villa have cup finals, generally it doesn't go very well for us. Mm. But if what if West Ham win, then Watford stay, stay down there, and we potentially win one of our games, and we're potentially a point off them come the last day of the season. So I kind of feel like there isn't a, a bad result there. It'd be interesting to see what the fans think in the comments because I, I don't really think there's a bad result for us there on Friday. But yeah. I, it all rests on Thursday. If we lose on Thursday, it's pretty much irrelevant. Yeah, yeah that's totally true. I've gone for because I because I did the homework properly. Um, I went I went for a draw there. But like you say, I guess if, if you want it to be a cup final, I guess you're wanting Watford to win and, and us to drag West Ham back into it. Uh, but... The, the way I worked it out with the other results going, a one-all draw seemed to work all right. A two-all draw would, all, would equally be fine. Um, but, but Just a draw. The, yeah. Draw will be okay. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way I, I see it, just in terms of the other teams um, playing around there. So, um, 
but just out, of, just out of interest, sorry, I'm not sure if you did the homework fully or not. But can you just tell me whether who you had the three to go down? Uh, yes, I can. So the can final, remember? the final table, uh, I had uh, Bournemouth in ninety. Obviously, um, Norwich bottom. I had Bournemouth yep. finishing with thirty-two points in nineteenth, and then Watford thirty-five points, uh, but a worse goal difference than West Ham. So they go down on goal difference. Where are we? Sixteenth. Yeah, by a point. Nice. Lovely. Fair to say I agree with your assessment that Norwich will come last. I definitely agree Definitely agree with that one. And Bournemouth, surely 19th, if, if we're going to make any any hash of it. It's either yeah, us yeah. or what? Bournemouth, isn't it? it would, I've got a, kind of a little bit of a bad feeling about Bournemouth because we all kind of discounted them a little bit. And then they go and pick up a, a couple of results and it kind of felt like no one was really thinking about them. But now they've obviously got that point advantage on us. But... I'm presuming they haven't got the best fixtures because you've just you've you've only got them down to get a point across the next three guys. I know they've got they've got City they've got City at the weekend can, or whenever the next round is. I can tell games you. for them. Yeah, they, they've got City and then Southampton um, and Southampton are playing a decent and yeah and then Everton last game of the season. So I've got them, I've got them getting a draw at Everton. Mm. Mm, so I don't like the sound of that last game. Born with Everton. That doesn't sit well with me to coin an old rise. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, but I, I kind of hope by that point that you know if they win that game, that would only take them to thirty-four points anyway. True. Um, yeah. So they'd still be in nineteenth if, if everything yeah. else works out. We'll have won every game by then, so we'll be okay. Exactly. It's it's plain sailing from here. Said no Villa fan ever. <laughs> Can you just imagine uh, that last day? I don't like. I, like the playoff final, I remember both those playoff finals feeling absolutely horrific, but at least you're at the game. I was. It's worse when you're not at the game, I find. There's, there's, the stress levels are worse for me watching it on telly. I don't know why. I don't know whether you, whether you feel the same. When you're at a game, you feel like you can let off your frustration a, a little bit more and let out your emotion at, at home. I don't. It doesn't feel the same, and I'm sat there watching it on my own with the rabbits, essentially. Do, do you know what I mean? I feel like I can affect it when I'm, when I'm at the game, but... Feeling so horrific in those playoff finals, I dread to think how we're at because we've never had a last day where you need to win to to stay up. Really, there was a kind of one in '94, '95, but I was too young to understand it mm. at, at that point. But do you know what I mean? A proper like, if you win, you stay up; if you lose, you go down. And you're playing a team that could potentially be in the mix as well. It could like be one of the most horrid watches ever as a Villa fan, and there's been a few. Yeah, all about the beard says I couldn't watch it if it comes down to the last day. I think to you to your, yeah, you do have to, to be fair. Um, I think, coming back to your original question, it's probably the reverse for me because I'm less used to going to the game. So that's, I guess, a, a less familiar, if you like. But okay. the, the, the kind of environment and the atmosphere and the tension with, with 40,000 people sitting there, that kind of gets to me and I feel more nervous like being there and sitting there. But um, uh, watching, on, watching on TV, I guess... I feel like that distance a little bit maybe maybe takes it away. Having said that, I, I probably haven't been to, you know, I've never been a season ticket holder. I probably haven't been to that many games where, I mean, nothing as big as as big as big a potential last day. Yeah, um, you've been to playoff finals. They're I've big. Been, to the, been to the playoff finals, yeah, which is, which is true. But I felt more confident in both of those. It felt like a, oh, not the Fulham game, I suppose, but that was on the way up. I feel like going down is more... Serious? Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't know if I'm making yeah. any kind of point here. But, I know what you mean. Um, as certainly with the with the derby game, in good spirits and and been to the box park, you know, so you're feeling all right. Uh, but, you mentioned. 
<laughs> but the um, but the the idea of it being a being a win or bust kind of you know quite literally game sometimes is it's just terrifying really um, and. I, I understand why all about the beard says he, he'll struggle to watch it. It'll just be super eerie with with no crowd there to affect it. Yeah. Um. It 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 doesn't seem like the the way it should should be done. Obviously, it's not the right way, but it but it has to be. Um. It's it's going to be a real stomach churning afternoon if that is the way. But you know, I'd rather be there than than already be down. Because we went down with such a whimper last time on seventeen points. I think it, I think it was, and there was just no battle. <laughs> at any point or any thoughts in my mind that we would ever stay up or I'm sure in any of the players or anyone associated with Aston Villa's mind that we were going to stay up that season. The way this was kind of drifting post-lockdown as well, I was kind of just thinking, oh, well, we're, we're going to be down before the last day of the season. But the worst thing about being a football fan and a Villa fan is that it's just the hope. So you win a game now and you, it's unavoidable because I've been writing everything off. But now because we've won, it's unavoidable in your head where you start to think, Oh, we we could do it, couldn't we? We maybe we will, just maybe. And it is that hope ultimately that kills you. Yeah, I think I think you have to you have to let yourself believe a little bit, otherwise it doesn't stay fun for very long. Colin Curry, representing the Bedford Lions, says Everton nil, Villa one. Believe, guys. UTV. Uh, Dolan says, let's be in with a chance first before this last day of the season talk. I mean, it's, it's it it's all part of it. It's. You know, you have to, like you say, you get carried away a little bit. You you talk about things that are not within your control, and that's 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 part of it. And as Christmas Chris Coleman says, not that Chris Coleman, it's the hope that kills you. But even that the grumpiest man in football, Chris Dolan, you can tell by his tone on that comment. Even though he's trying, he want, he's being negative. There's a little there's bit. Kind of a, there's a little. There's a tinge of positivity. From him now, the amount of times he's texted me saying, "I don't, I don't care anymore, I don't care," because he just and I was saying the same to be fair, thinking that we we're just going, but it's the hope, and even he's got a little bit of that hope now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're just joining us, you are watching the Luke Live Lounge uh, in association with Luke 1977. Uh, make sure if you are doing any shopping at Luke1977.com, you use our discount code TVV20. That's for 20% off almost everything. Uh, that includes sale items. Uh, there's a couple of decent sales on right now. Um, so yeah. make sure you use the TVV20 code for 20% off. Supports us, supports them, um, helps us to put on this kind of content. So if you like it, make sure you uh, you use the code. And also, if you if you aren't subscribed and you've been watching all of these, um, make sure you hit the subscribe button on, on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube, of course. All right, Dan, then. We've been told to focus on Thursday, so let's have a look at the team a little bit. A couple of injury concerns, potentially, is the wrong word. Maybe opportunities for other players. We saw Ezri Konsa move into the into the central defensive role, and El Mahamedi come and play right back against Crystal Palace. And then the other one, obviously, in the defence was Neil Taylor coming off for Matty Target with a with a hamstring pull. Uh, do you anticipate that the, the back four stays the way it finished uh, yeah. for Thursday? I'd hope so. I mean, there's obviously will be a reason why when he came back from lockdown, Courtney Hawes was playing right centre-back and Mings. They're, they'll have worked on something and I don't know what the reason is, but there will be a reason for it. So I'm not insulting anyone's intelligence there. Just accept that that's, that's what they've decided to do. That's what they thought was for the best. But playing against Palace on, on Sunday... It just allowed us to move a little bit quicker and it allowed us to play with a bit more purpose, having Konza 
a right footer at right centre back, and having Elmer at, at right back as well, it just enabled us to move the ball a little bit quicker and where you can break the lines a little bit quicker. Because to be fair, Rainer in goal, that's what that's what he likes to do. He likes to try and break the lines a little bit quicker than perhaps any any other goalkeeper because he's got good distribution. So it just it felt more comfortable. You know, when Hawes gets the ball, he's he can't play a quick pass ever because he's got to get it on his on his, on his left foot because he doesn't like using his right foot and it it just slows us down and then the opportunity to move quickly is gone so it just suits us more having 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 concert there I think and you you stick with that back four now to the end of the season with tar, targets fit again slight worry that Neil Taylor's injured because target hasn't got the best fitness record himself he mm. I've lost count of the number of times through the season he's gone down. Yeah. with an injury in the in the first half of a game. So then suddenly if we haven't got either of them and Hawes has got an injury as well, who, who's playing left-back? I would guess Gilbert would come in at left-back. I think he played one of the cup games earlier on in the season there when he came on as a sub. But then you've got that same problem of being unbalanced again. I, I liked the balance of the side on, on Sunday with Connor in the midfield as well. It just it just looked more balanced and we, we looked more comfortable. And I'm probably a bit guilty of not giving Trezeguet enough credit on Sunday, because I think he's been been poor since since uh, we came back from lockdown and generally poor from the season. But actually, if you look at his numbers, his numbers are pretty good now, and that they stack up against a fair few wingers in who you perceive as being good wingers in the Premier League. So the work rate's never been in doubt, and hopefully now he'll be buzzing for Thursday as well, and that that's given him a little bit of confidence. Yeah, well, Neil Taylor um, is being assessed on Wednesday, uh, so so tomorrow. Um, so I guess we'll know more about that then. Um, Mighty Villain says definitely keep the same back four. Uh, Davortex HD would um, would like to see the the same back four that finished the game would be the best choice if everyone is fit. Holly Jennings says, am I mad for wanting Neil Taylor in the first half and then Target to come on? Um, I guess and give us a little bit more attacking impetus. What do you think about that? Or do you just keep the same back four, don't mess around with the defence? I think you leave it the same. I mean, you might be able to tell that I haven't plugged my laptop in, so I'm just yeah. doing that now as well. That's that issue is now solved. Um, you are really at the 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 I don't know the failing side of this podcast. I get a lot of stick and uh, I'm always get called out for it, but you haven't done that. I'm, an absolute, work. Ma- I'm an absolute maverick. Uh, you got to sometimes you got to give the star player a little bit of leeway. You got you got you got to give him a bit of freedom, and that's that's what I'm doing. Very questionable. I knew I knew you'd like that one. Um, there's nothing wrong with Neil Taylor, but. This next game, Everton must win. That's a target game for me. And it's an Elmo game as well. Elmo's kind of... We haven't got an in-between target and Taylor. I look at Elmo as being an in-between Concer and uh, and Gilbert. Because Concer's the best defensively. I think Gilbert's the best going forward with his pace. Elmo sits somewhere in the, in the middle for me. So I think yeah. Elmo's the best option. And he'll always swing in a couple of crosses. I don't think you change that back four now till the end of the season that that, that, uh, that finished the game. Engels is obviously still still injured, I think, and we've not we've not seen anything from him at all. I don't, don't know what's up with him. I know he's got an injury, but I don't know the severity of it. But you think after missing six or seven games now, it, it's it's pretty bad and we won't see him again this season. So I think Concer and Mings is a decent partnership. I think Concer's got a lot of potential. I think he'll still do things wrong. But I think there's a good athleticism between the two of them. At centre back, and again, there's that right foot, left foot thing. So I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that back four going into the end of this end of the season. As I said, when when Hawes is picking up the ball, it's, it's not his fault, but I just don't feel comfortable with the left foot or at right centre back. I actually think uh, Taylor's been one of our better players after the restart. You know, he's played the last three um, and 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 looked very solid. Offered a little bit more going forward, but just 
felt felt more comfortable. Uh, Kyle Barker says, uh, I'd like to see Taylor in. He's been solid. Uh, Mark Jarobi, Iwobi and Calvert. Calvert, uh, Lewin uh, could be massive problems. We'd rather see Taylor in to start, so maybe a bit more defensively. Moving up, uh, up into the midfield, then Dan again. Would you would you just play the same midfield three or five or however you want to you want to work it? I think whatever anyone says, Jack's best games this season have been in the on the left. Yeah, I think that's where he's caused problem. He's managed to get a little bit of freedom there, so I think I don't think you change that. Plus, I think. When you play Trezeguet and Algarza, we just don't we we don't look dangerous with them both playing, in my opinion. And we haven't got a goal scorer at the at the club, so obviously whoever you play up front at the moment, they're not looking like they're they're going to score goals. Again, I just like the balance of that midfield. Louise earlier on in the season when he was playing as the deepest line midfielder concerned me because I think his defensive positioning was very very questionable. But since lockdown, it's the complete opposite. I have full confidence in him. I think I think he looks absolutely brilliant. He always finds himself in the right position. His distribution's good. He, he wants to play quickly. He wants to play on the on the front foot. And he has completely gone gone turned around in my opinion because I now think he's he's great. Whereas before Christmas, I I didn't think that at all. I didn't I didn't see what other people were seeing rightly and wrongly. Nakamba, I just I don't really get what he offers because we still look like we're going to ship goals when he plays and he's probably the most orthodox defensive midfielder at the club. I don't know where Drinkwater is. I don't think he's going to play for Villa again. I'm led no. to believe he, he's gone back but or he's got an injury, but God knows what's going on there. So if you're playing Jack on the left, it's McGinn and Connor. And whether you rate Connor or whether you don't, and obviously we're two people that, that rate him highly, mm. you can't deny that when he's on the pitch, we've looked better this season. And he's a weapon from, from set pieces. He's, the way he looks after the ball is very underrated as well. I think a lot of people take that for granted. And he also allows Jack to have more freedom to come inside on the left because Connor will quite often go on the overlap. So for me, you don't change that midfield. McGinn and Connor in front of Louise, Jack on the left. I reckon most of our wins, I don't know off the top of my head, but I reckon most of our wins have come with that that system. So I'd be going with that. What I mean... Like you say, we don't score an awful lot of goals, but most of our goals must have involved Conor Harahan yes. at, at some point. And therefore, you know, like you say, whether you like him or not in the rest of his game, the thing that we're desperately in need of is goals. And, and he elevates our chances to score more. So to, to me, yeah. he's, a, he's a shoe in right now. Usually when he leaves the pitch, he's either got a goal or an assist at the end of a game, whether he's come on a sub or whether he started the game. You know he's good for a goal or an assist in the Newcastle game, the second game after lockdown, I think it was. We're not looking like we're going to score. He comes on, puts in a, a decent corner, and we we get a goal from it. Mm. I think at one point, up in, I think it was last week, up until last week, I don't know whether it's still the case, he had the most key passes in the Premier League since lockdown. So people that say he doesn't offer anything, I, I just I just don't see that. I don't, I don't get where people are getting that from. But it's it's my opinion of football subjective, and you, you see what you see, and everyone gauges their opinion from that. But Aston Villa are a better team with Conor Harahan on the pitch. I, I don't see how that can be disputed. Yeah. Uh, Dean Averis, 100% agree with the midfield there. Uh, Interstellar Dweller uh, had a comment and it's just disappeared from me. Uh, Louise has really started showing what a baller he is. First name yeah, on he's the great. team sheet. Great. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the, the midfield picks itself, like you say. Uh, all right, then the, the conversation then turns to up front and this is where the debate continues. Would you start Samata or Davis? What's your choice? I think on 
Thursday, I think he'll probably start some matter again. I think he'll try and have as little disruption as possible. But I'd probably go for go for Davis if we if we're a bit more confident. We're having a little bit more of the ball. I just think his hold up plays better. Don't get me wrong; he doesn't look like either of them are going to score. Mm. But I think if you've got two of them there who aren't going to score, I just think Davis is offering that little bit more at the moment. And I kind of feel like Everton are quite weak in central defence. Mina's a, a big boy, but he, he's out. So I think that leaves them with Holgate and Keane. And I feel like they're two defenders that Davis could really disrupt. We've seen glimpses of him causing centre-backs problems when 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 football came back. Sheffield United back, back line looked really ruffled by him. And that's a back line that doesn't ruffle easily. So I just think a team with a, with a weak mindset like I think Everton have, I'd play Davis. Jamie Canning says, you just know Smith will play a different team to the one that played the majority of the Palace game. Uh, Dan Lane, start Davis because he's a similar style to Wesley, who played well last time against Everton. Wayne Davis, Samata, start Davis. Uh, hang on. Samata, start Davis. Come on, second half. I needed some grammar in there, Wayne. Um, uh, Bill Hupp, Davis all day. So, I mean, you, you can't pick one. There's there's too much, uh, too much difference of opinion here. To me... Um, I, I, I just feel for Davis. I think we were texting Dan during the game and he's he just, he's inches away from from the finished product, really. I mean, and I mean that in a in a negative way, kind of. You know, he's he's just not, not got that kind of final touch. Um, I think it was on Sunday he slid across. Uh, it was him and Trezeguet both slid across a, a cross that came in and, and neither could get on the end of it. And there's just been a few... Uh, chances when where the chances have come and Davis just hasn't been able to convert, um, which is just frustrating because his hold up play is brilliant, his control, um, his movement is really good, but he just doesn't have that killer instinct. Certainly not right now to be a Premier League striker. No, I mean if you look back to that season, I remember me and you were at Loftus Road and we played QPR and we won two one. Adoma scored a couple of goals, but Davis was a handful that day, mm-hmm. but he was never prolific in the Championship. So he's never going to come into the Premier League and, and start smashing the goals in. It'd be interesting to see him score because I'd like if he did score, I'd, God knows what type. I don't even know what type of goal it would be. If if he was to score, you don't see him as being that ruthless one going through one at one on one and scoring. I guess it would, it would probably be be a header. I would guess if he was going to score a goal, it's the only goal I can remember him scoring for us in the league. I think it was Barnsley away in 2017. He scored he scored a header. So he's never been prolific. But you do wonder if he got one. The amount of good that could that could do him, and whether he would start to look more of a threat in front of goal if he could just score. Because again, you hear about on the training ground. Apparently, before football came back, he was absolutely banging him in, in training. But I suppose it, it's training; it's a very very different thing to to a match day. So Matter's confidence looks like it's on the floor to me at the moment. He, I thought he had a bit about him when he, when he first came. Again, I was with you at the at the Tottenham game at Villa Park, and in the first half, his link up play was really good, and we, yeah. Villa looked good to be fair against Spurs in that first half, and then as usual, it all fell apart in this in the second half. But I've not seen that from Samata since we've come back, and he just looks like his confidence is on the floor. So if I had to pick a striker for me, I'd, I'd just pick Davis because I think his overall team play is better because neither of them are going to look like they're going to smash the goals in. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. You've, you've, you've won me over. I mean, I like Davis. You don't need to win me over too much. But I think, like you said, I just haven't seen enough of Samata um especially after after lockdown to really um to have him really cement his place in the team and and Davis can be a handful and and hopefully um you know 
bring bring Trezeguet, bring Grealish, bring Harahan into the game, and and hopefully will be a little bit dangerous. Uh, I wonder what our set pieces plan will be because it's felt like ever since restart, all we've wanted to do was hit Courtney Hawes on the uh, on the set pieces, and he hasn't really been able to do anything apart from that that Chelsea goal. Um, which was a bit of a scramble. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that we have a quite a big team and a decent heading uh, options. You know, it, hopefully we can we can think about something a bit more creative with our with our set pieces too, especially with with Harahan on the pitch. Yeah, and Everton uh, certainly under Marco Silva before he departed, set pieces were a real problem mm. for them. And it, they're not the they're not the biggest side in in the world if Mina doesn't play because Holgate's under six foot I think playing at centre back and I don't think Michael Keane's the, the biggest either Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are, are decent in the air but obviously that's probably more the other way so I think set pieces is an avenue to, to hurt Everton and as I say Pickford erratic again you feel you can if you put a ball in, underneath him he might come and flap at it and make a mistake so set pieces are going to be a real key avenue on Thursday at Goodison Park for me yeah yeah one one thing about the the squad I read earlier was that did you see that that John McGinn had a stress fracture in his shin? Um, did have you have you did you hear this? Yeah, so, but before he came back, he got but, injured again. Before he came back, I didn't realise that he was out for another six weeks. Um, you know, we were obviously due to play Chelsea before everything happened with lockdown, and uh, just before that game, John McGinn. Uh, they diagnosed a stress fracture, so he hadn't trained again for six weeks. That kind of explains to me why he looks yeah. so off the pace still, because um, because he just he's he's missed that uh, that extra six weeks, which would have been so useful for him in that lockdown time. He hasn't had that either, so that kind of makes sense to me. I'm I'm really hoping that we can see the best of McGinn uh, before the season's out. Yeah, and this is where I'm going to throw one of my mates under the bus. See where Asma Gate came from, obviously. Because every day when football training had resumed again, Aston Radford was texting me. <laughs> so McGinn must have asthma. He must have asthma. He's not on any of the training pictures. He, he must have asthma. Obviously, he was just injured and Villa, Villa didn't disclose it, which is probably sensible not to disclose an injury that you've got to a key player who's, who's coming back. So just shows you how much the rumour mill and things go round. But shouldn't have rushed him back, really, because he hasn't done himself justice. He looks like he's finally starting to get there a, a little bit now. We've seen a couple of those what I call bum turns, mm. not the best name for it. <laughs> a few of his bum, his bum turns have come in, in in the last few games, whereas we, had, we hadn't seen them again that we all, we've all grown to know and love, have we? And it's mm. it's obviously a, a fitness issue, but I suppose the only way to get fit is to, is to just play. And it's not like we're blessed with loads of excellent options in, in his place. Picking a first 11 for Villa, it's pretty easy, bar maybe yeah. two, one or two places. I think most people would probably agree. On the best eleven, and we we just don't have the options, do we? A few people in the comments saying McGinn getting better each week and and showed showed him old showed his old self against Palace, which I think is true to an extent. But yeah. I, I I still think he's got another level to go. Yeah, big time. I, I think he could be. You know, I said it even before lockdown after the um, after the League Cup final that that McGinn was our last throw of the dice, really, to have that that another injection. I still harbour that hope that that we might see the best of him before before the season is out. Well, he's a top-class player, yep. and he's a Premier League player, undoubtedly, which I don't think you can say that about everyone in our squad. If you think back to the start of the season, he scored three goals in the first seven or eight games, Yeah, perhaps. Hadn't he? He, you know, he was doing really well, and I think he was one of those players that neutral fans were really liking. He's, he's just a, a naturally a, someone that you look at and you like him. Yeah. John McGinn. I, th- I don't care who you support. I think most people will like John McGinn. But if you remember just before his bad injury, 
he'd been playing with a knock and people were he was he wasn't quite at his best. So we haven't actually seen McGinn's best for for a long time now. So we, we need it back and that's probably been one of the major players in in us having a, a bad season is the amount of time we've missed a fully fit McGinn. Because I think people forget before Christmas that he he was going a bit a bit quiet in games because because he wasn't fit. We were still playing him because we we need him and we haven't seen probably the true John McGinn since maybe October. Mm. That's a hell of a long time to be without your player of the year of last season and someone who is undoubtedly a Premier League player. So I think people overlook that and forget it. We, we need him back firing fuller. Holly Jennings says, forget the Cruyff turn. It's the McGinn bum turn. The McGinn That's, bum. And uh, Mighty Villain says, you could see Zahar in the Palace game saying he keeps sticking his bum out. So uh, maybe you're onto something there. The McGinn bum turn. Maybe that needs to be the next banner at Villa Park. Yeah, everyone loves the McGinn bum turn. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Captain Jack Grealish uh, there's been a lot of speculation about his future when this current season ends um, one thing I wanted to chat quickly with you Dan was how how is that, that transfer market changing it feels to me like Manchester United since the restart have found a bit more of a rhythm with the current team they've got obviously Fernandez being a wonderful fit there and, and Pogba we're starting to see the best of him again um, Obviously, the George Burley comments saying that, that he might be a fit for Arsenal or for Spurs, uh, Manchester City, potentially another option. Do you think the market is changing for Grealish or do you think Manchester United is still is still the front runner? I hope you've got Craig Burley's thoughts as well. We, we need to know what the Burley family are thinking, are thinking of this transfer, Tom. Um, it's difficult to know. I think I feel like he's going to one of the Manchester clubs in the, in the summer, regardless. That, that's how I feel about the situation. You look at the Man U 11 that's played since lockdown, there isn't really a natural place for him in that side. If you think of the three playing behind Martial now, it's Rashford on the left, Greenwood on the right, and Fernandez, who is a top-class player, despite his antics at Villa Park, playing as the number 10 behind Martial. Mm. There isn't really a natural fit for Jack because he ain't going to play in the two behind instead of Pogba or Matic. Matic is their enforcer and Pogba's... I don't think it's his best position, but he's doing well there at the moment. And it now looks like he's going to stay. So you kind of feel like the Man U stuff was when Pogba was going to be leaving and perhaps he was going to be a replacement for him. More, not so much the monetary side of the, the transfer landscape, whether that COVID affected that now. The nine subs thing's been extended. So the bigger teams are going to have bigger squads. They're going to be able to keep more players happy. And I'm not saying for one minute Jack would be happy to go to Man United and sit on a bench because mm. I know he wouldn't be happy with that. But they're going to be able to have more more, more uh, big-name players, the the big teams now. So, I don't know. I really don't know because, as I said, I don't see a natural fit for him at Man U in the first eleven now. But I think wherever he goes, he'll shine and he'll and he'll go on and he'll play for England. And that, that's the big thing for him. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out City and I probably wouldn't rule out abroad either. Right. For Jack, I think he's, he's that good that I think one of the, the real big boys could come in for him as well. So... I don't know. I just don't think it'll be a villain next season, which is sad. It deeply saddens me, but that just that's just where we're at. We're light years away from what Jack Grealish needs. Yeah. Um, Martin Sydenham says, Jack working under Pep. Wow. Um, yeah. Craig Taylor Broad. Can't see where Grealish would fit in for Manchester United. Man City, Leicester or Chelsea, or could potentially work for Arsenal or Spurs, but doubt either would pay up for what we want for him. Uh, Mark Jarobi, could you imagine Kevin De Bruyne and Grealish playing together? Madness. Um, 
so yeah, a few few different options for the for the young man. I, I mean, I I'd forgotten that he was only twenty four. You know, and it's it's not super young in in today's footballing world, but it it's still pretty young. You know, he's still got another 10, 12 years to play. Yeah, some of those teams mentioned. I don't see I don't see him going there. Lampard's a massive fan of Mount. I think Jack's twice the player of Mount, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I think Lampard likes Mount, so. They've got Barkley as well. They've, they've already spent a little bit of money on Werner and the guy from Ajax whose name's completely escaped me. So I don't see Chelsea going in for him. Leicester, maybe if they've got Champions League, there's a space space for him there. But his good friend Madison plays there and they're obviously two people that are vying for the same position for England. Liverpool, I wouldn't rule out, but then they're not they're not spending they're not going to spend money apparently. So mm. I actually think Liverpool's where he probably fits in the best. I think in their midfield three. They're, they're missing someone like him in there. They're all quite workmanlike, and it works for Liverpool in that Liverpool midfield three. But I think people underestimate how hard Jack actually works. And again, people are saying about him working under Pep. Imagine him working under Klopp as well. That that could be absolutely frightening. But it's not great sitting here selling off Villa's best players to, and talking about what team he's, he's going to go to. But I simply think I'm being realistic, and that's where we're at. Yeah, Dan Lane says uh, Borussia Dortmund would be tasty. And that, I mean, if he's got to Bellingham's go Bellingham's gone there, though, isn't he? Bellingham, he, get that he, Bellingham. It's not, it's not confirmed yet, though, is it? Is he not, has he not gone through? I don't think so. Um, but, uh, yeah, watch this space. Who knows? But I mean, it's Bell- horrible. It's horrible Bellingham that we have to talk about it. And it's horrible that yeah. you're thinking about Villa's best player, probably arguably one of the best players Villa have ever produced, going on elsewhere. It'd be great if Villa were good enough to keep him. But we're nowhere near it. And we've made a mess of the summer and showing that we were going in the right direction and stuff. So we've blown that as far as I'm concerned. And that's our fault. You are correct, sir. Um, You are watching the Luke Live Lounge and association with Luke 1977. Uh, Before we give away um, some more of the Dapper Villain range, there are a couple of points to get to. The first is that Hull City are losing 8-0 to Wigan. Wigan were seven nil up. Hull, the the best thing is Hull just got a penalty and then it was overturned. <laughs> oh, cruel! Um, and yeah, so that that's a funny little nugget. Uh, not funny, no. Well, no, it's not. But you know, sometimes you got to laugh, and yeah, otherwise you cry. Have you read all this Wigan stuff? We won't get into it now. But have you heard the kind of the conspiracy theories, which might just be true about the Wigan yeah. ownership? Um, it's absolutely crazy. We don't have time to get into it now because it's long and complicated. But if you're if you're interested in the politics and the ownership of football and the terrible um, kind of fit and proper persons test that the EFL use, then um, check out the Wigan um, the Wigan storylines because it's absolutely awful. And I do feel for for Wigan fans in that. Um, in that scenario, absolutely dreadful. We know what it's like, Dan, to be owned in a in a chaotic and, and cowboy fashion. Um, it's not, and, affect, not affected them too badly tonight, though. No, they seem to be okay. They've, right they've got over it, haven't they? Yeah, well, yeah. we'll see. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, Dan, uh, Villa-related, was uh, our old friend, Stylian Petrov, um, yeah. has, has passed his uh, UEFA Pro licence now. So he... Uh, he not only is his masters in sport management, but also his pro license. And when when we spoke to him um, a couple of years ago now, a year ago, was it only a year ago, man. Yes, yeah. it, it was crazily long ago. Um, he was talking about the potential of being a sporting director um, and and 
that's the kind of route that he wanted to go down. So all of the kind of educational opportunities are, are fit into place for Stan. And maybe there's an opportunity as a sporting director at Villa Park next season. I mean, he wouldn't be the worst one we've ever had, would, would he? Already, <laughs> no. he could pretty much guarantee that. Uh, yeah. I don't think he'll come in as a sport director at Villa. It sounds like behind the scenes he's been rejected from various things at Villa mm. over over the years. Anyway, a few times, not not always treated with the respect he de- he deserves, Stillian. So that that's disappointing. As I say, for a club that's supposed to have a bit of class, sometimes we just get it completely wrong, and that's happened on a few occasions under under different ownerships. So that's a story. For, for another day, whatever he does, he'll be very good at it. We spend a bit of time with him. He's an inspiring man. He's someone who I'm I'm very fond of and someone who I want to see do well in, in what he does next. So he's, he's done the lot, hasn't he? He's done all his badges as well. So he could literally turn up at a football yeah. club and, and, and do anything. I mean, it's interesting that I don't know how many people know this, but Thomas Hitzelsberger's chief executive of a team in the Bundesliga now, because Stuttgart have been yeah. promoted. He's, he's overseen a turnaround there. They, they weren't guaranteed promotion he changed the manager and they managed to to get themselves up into the Bundesliga so there's not many in the mold of people like Hitzelsberger or Petrov who are intelligent enough to work in multiple roles at at a football club I just just hope he goes on and gets the right job and and does well because as I say he's someone I've got a lot of love for yeah, if you're new, if you're new to the Villa View, make sure you check out our interview with with Cillian Petrov. We had about an, I think it was a scheduled to have a, an hour or so with him, and he ended up sitting down with us for one hour forty five minutes, something like that. And and literally, I don't think we broke um, broke the edit because nah. he just talked talked so honestly and openly, and and he was great. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I thought it was a great interview from from his point of view, Dan. And uh, he's a really interesting character. So make sure you check that out on our YouTube channel um, because it was, yeah, one of the most enjoyable couple of hours that I've ever spent. Yeah, and me and you barely spoke in it, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's, is, it's all him, just some great tales, really interesting tales from him. Always the best if you and I aren't speaking too much. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, we will uh, draw to a close. But first of all, we need to give away a little bit more of the Luke Roper Dapper Villains range. Every week on the Luke Live Lounge, we're giving away one item of clothing from the Luke uh, Dapper Villain range, um, which you can find on Luke1977.com. And uh, if you if you don't win uh, and, and you want to buy some of the Dapper Villain range, um, then 30 percent of proceeds go to the uh, Birmingham University Hospitals Trust. Um, you can see the the different hospitals that that affects on the bottom of your screen there. So it's really worth it. Um, and this week we are gl- giving away the Glover AVFC Polo. Um, so it comes in the black with the with the claret arms like you can see, or you can get it in the white with the claret arms as well. Got the, the lion on the breast. Um, really nice bit of kit. Um, so we are going to launch another Instagram competition. So if you want to be in with a chance of winning that, all you need to do is follow Luke, follow us and uh, and comment on that Instagram post. It will go live straight after this. Um, and last week we gave away the nickel, um, which is a, a lovely claret polo uh, tea. And uh, we, we picked a winner earlier from our from our. Twitter entries. Simon O'Regan was the winner this week. So congratulations to you, Simon. Make sure you send in uh, your details, your sizing and your address and all that kind of stuff to uh, the Villa Views DMs and we'll make sure that we get that to you. No problem. Um, Yeah, I think that's it, Dan. I think we're about there. Unless there's anything else you want to sign off in a Villa related way. 
I was just hoping that we could get uh, George Burley on next week's show. <laughs> oh, so. See, see if you can make that happen. What about George well, Burley? The one we all want to hear from. George Burley and my Renault Scenic. What a trip that oh, would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Potential for a good video there, Tom. I think there's something to, definitely something to work with. I'm not for sure. sure. But nah, I've got, I've got nothing else. So, yeah, it's been a good show. We've enjoyed it. Had a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. So, final thing from me. If you... If you do want to use our, our discount code on loop1977.com, it's TVV20, 20% off almost everything. The only thing that doesn't include is the Dapper Villain range. So, yeah, if you want to use that, please go ahead. Make sure you subscribe to The Villa View on Instagram, The Villa View underscore on Twitter, and hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Now, we'll be back on Thursday night for a post-match pint in association with Purity. So the content keeps on coming. Um, until then, let's remain positive. Hopefully, we'll still be positive on Thursday night. But up the villa. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.